Welcome back to One Winning Pod. Um, this episode's coming out a little late because we wanted to see what would happen in the Cincinnati and Bills game. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you already know the tragic events that happened uh, to Damar Hamlin. And we are obviously thinking about him and have him in our prayers. And we're contemplating even recording an episode and all, uh, recapping the show, um, the events of the Ravens-Steelers game, but decided that we would still do that and not speculate really about what happens next. So at recording this at 7.49 on Tuesday, and at this point it sounds like week 18 is occurring as scheduled, um, which also means the Ravens don't have a scheduled start time. But anyways, uh, I don't think that it will be truly as scheduled at this point, but that's, you know, now we're going to the speculation land, which we said we wouldn't do. Uh, but we're just going to kind of focus on the... Uh, game that did occur on Sunday night and um, also just you know pay our respects obviously to that situation his family and hope that he gets well soon yeah um, obviously that was a very tragic event and we we wish the best uh, for Hamlin and the the Bills family and first and foremost Hamlin's family and friends too uh, very tragic event Um it's always in the back of your mind watching football, anyone who's playing football, that that could happen. You just never think that it will. And we obviously hope that everything will work out for him um, and that he'll be able to uh, overcome this. Um, it feels a little uh, little minute in comparison to complain about a Ravens loss in light of this information. Um, I wouldn't be shocked at all if this episode is one of our uh, lowest listenerships uh, ever given current situation of uh, the Ravens and the NFL in general. But yeah, we're going to look at this game. Uh, We're going to see how this transpired for the Ravens and see what we can glean from this or what the Ravens can do going forward uh, once we figure out what forward is for the NFL as a whole. Um, I actually wouldn't be shocked at all if the NFL postponed this upcoming week. Uh, I don't think that anything they've said is definite yet. Uh, We saw them do that in wake of September 11th. Um, Obviously, September 11th, it was a different situation than this, but it's not unprecedented for the NFL to uh, postpone a week of game action. Um, But regardless, again, we're speculating. Uh, But yeah, uh, Ravens uh, lost 16-13. to Fourth quarter, Kenny Pickett, uh, which I said I was concerned about, uh, got the best of them. And unfortunately, Huntley was unable to engineer any late game heroics uh on the final drive and ravens uh find themselves at 10 and 6 currently they are in second place in the afc north and uh still waiting for the return of lamar jackson so ravens could certainly be in a worse spot but at the same time looking at these events right now uh, i think we got some questions as to where this franchise can ultimately go what's their ultimate ceiling uh as we approach the playoffs. Yeah, I know, um, you know, we've talked in the past about, you know, there being so many lost tokens of within a season, right? You don't want to give too many tokens away. Uh, you don't want to give up <laughs> easy losses to, to teams you should probably beat. This one, in in some sense, like it, the, my, you know, kind of like raw visceral reaction was not as bad as the Cleveland game. But in hindsight, I, I feel like, in the grand scheme of things, it's just another one of those uh, games that ultimately, like, if the Ravens do just a little bit more 
uh, they come away with the win and, you know, they don't have to start asking questions about, you know, what's up with the division, like where are the playoff, you know, playoff seating, things like that. It's, it, you know, it's one of those just like, it just, it, it, it sucks. Yeah. It just sucks, man. Um, it feels like sometimes this team just like really just isn't able to get it together in big moments. And, um, you know, it's a little frustrating as a fan and I'm sure, you know, lot, lots of people are, are understandably, I think upset with it as well, upset with the coaching staff and, you know, kind of their, uh, you know, reactions to it. But I'd say the one thing, you know, bottom line for me, Lamar's got to get healthy. Um, without that, my, uh, I feel like I said this a couple of weeks ago, my kind of reaction is like, we're the season's kind of done unless he comes back. For sure. I mean, that's, I mean, we were talked about not recording this episode at all. And I think part of the reason why, even with the events not happening on Monday night football is that we feel like we've been having the same conversation for the last couple of weeks, ever since the Huntley era has started, the defense does what seems to be enough in a modern NFL game to lock away a victory. Uh, this game, I would say they did not do that for what it's worth, but like t- typically they do, and even 16 points is really not that much. And then the offense is on life support the whole time, and you're just hoping that they are able to score a touchdown. They need like a charity you know, penalty in order to get the opportunity to score a touchdown in this game. And it's it's a playbook that the Ravens seem comfortable, so to speak, going into, which I think the Ravens fans expect more out of a team. They don't want to just luck their way into a victory. They don't want to stumble their way into a victory. They don't want to get the right penalty called or the right you know interception at a timely manner they want to win games with authority and the 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 current playbook in my opinion is not to win games (laughs) authoritatively they they they're hoping that the variance pops in their favor now i will say we have to give some credit to the team in that (sighs) i think a home playoff game would be nice but what i don't think would be nice is for us to like show all our hands early. And part of me wonders if we're playing really vanilla football because they want to save stuff for the postseason, particularly if they don't have Lamar and they need every trick that they have up their sleeve. And at this point, they're sleepwalking into the playoffs. They're like, maybe we won't get a home playoff game, but that's okay. We're only going to get one anyways. And like, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if that is some part of the equation that they're keeping things intentionally bland, particularly on offense. But, uh, it's, not, <laughs> it's not inspiring to think that, um, and it's not even like good. I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't, I would want them to have some momentum, so to speak, but it is what it is. It's a little tough to figure out what's going on with them. Um, I did not do much, uh, film study prep at all and when i say i didn't do any i meant mean i did not do any (laughs) i wanted to think about nfl as little as possible today just um i know it's still a little shaken from what happened last night um what i was planning on doing really was kind of diving into some of the film of last year uh of those games we saw where huntley um had success and try and see if i could see if there was anything that was really different you know is it that we're trying to get Huntley to cut down on on turnovers and mistakes. And so he's not taking chances um, like he did in the past. Because, you know, when we first came out and had some game action in, in, in mop-up duty against the Giants and Jaguars, I remember we used to call him like a, the human pinball because he was just running all over there. 
just just chucking the ball around and it, it, it was a style that seemed unsustainable at the time, but maybe we're trying to rein him in too much. That's one uh, possibility. Uh, I was also interested to look at play calling. Was that much different? Um, were, were there some concepts that were working? Are we still trying those concepts with him, or are they just ha- have those been figured out with him, and we're just, so we can't use them anymore? That's another possibility. Um, it, it it's starting to feel a little weird with Huntley that we're seeing this much of a drop with him. I, I know that I said a couple episodes ago that when we're talking about Huntley, uh, you know, he had those three big games last year. Then he got caught COVID and was not, had had a uh, a de- de- decrease in, in playing output, uh, for lack of a better term, in the Rams and Steelers game following that. But it still feels like his play this year has been even lower than that. And it's just making me wonder, is is it scheme? Is it that the team just isn't trusting him enough because of when he tries to do the things that he's really good at, it's a bit dangerous. And they're like, well, we we can't really afford to turn the ball over because of the lack of playmakers right now. Just a theory. Like I said, I I was hoping before (laughs) what happened last night to have come into this with a, a little bit of a prepared analysis on it. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's still very odd that we're seeing what's such a decrease in, in what we've seen this guy be able to do. Um, and like I said before, maybe it's the league figuring out him out. Maybe it's, we're cutting back on what we want him to do because we don't think we can afford mistakes from him, a combination of both. But, um, whatever it is, uh, yeah, there was, there was a graphic shared by, I believe it was the UK Ravens on Twitter basically showing that the Ravens have with Huntley have scored the least amount of points uh, in the NFL over that, uh, those string of games. And this is an offense that was easily scoring in the twenties with Lamar Jackson behind center. Uh, So again, Huntley is a backup. We need to treat him like a backup when we're managing his expectations, but still for all the offensive success he had last year, it feels like there's something off right now uh that maybe can be fixed but the the drop off in um production from last year is is kind of staggering really yeah i i mean if we're talking at least at least for from some of the things i guess i could see in this game um let's let's talk about uh one good thing at least i think that kind of happened is i think we found ways to get mark andrews more involved um and I think that happened in two ways. I think one, just by spreading the defense out a little bit, not giving them opportunities to quote-unquote double Andrews. I, I, I kind of hate kind of using that term because I feel like it is overused. Of, oh, yeah, he's just doubled. Like, good players beat double teams. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter how many guys you have on you. If you can get the right routes, you know, the right concepts, you can get open even if you're doubled, right? Um, but that being said, like, there were a lot of um, – favorable matchups to Andrews and Huntley was able to find him for a number of those so I think it was good that he got more involved um it felt like for a good portion of the game I mean he was back to his you know 2021 dominant self um just without some touchdowns Uh, I think we need a few more of those but um so I mean I think that was good and I do think that's kind of a sign too of like you know okay Roman wants to get him more involved like okay fine we'll put make him the focal point of the offense this week so I, I think from that perspective, like I 
I think that's fine. I, I think the coaching staff did what they needed to, made the adjustments to make that an emphasis, and I think it would. It, I think it worked. Now, you know, on the bad side is I, you know, I still th- like you know again like you know we've talked about these for a couple of weeks. Like we still have fundamental problems. I think of like you know we're not you know we're just getting too many three and outs, right? We're not having these long sustained drives like sometimes when the run game works you know you just get a bunch of runs that back to back like you can move up and down the field right but other times it's just it's a three and out you get you know there was one i think drive i think of the third quarter or something you had this like 15 yard run by dobbins which is great and then after that three and out just stalled midfield um so yeah i mean like Play calling isn't helpful there. Execution isn't there. I mean, there are a couple of penalties, I think, that kind of put the team in negative situations, but um, they're just not equipped to get out of these situations. Like, if the run game is off for whatever reason or there's a negative play, it's just it's really difficult for this offense to come back. And, uh, you know, that just combined, again, like, we cannot figure out this red zone offense, man. We just can't score. Yeah, I mean, we just like the – I think we lack the playmakers on offense, even with – guys like Dobbins and Mark Andrews available. Um, Just not we lack, guys. Yeah. We lack like the, the stars to cover things up. You know what I mean? The people that like make a big play. And I think it's partially like, because both of these eyes are, are not quite it. Like, like Andrews doesn't really have long speed. He's a tight end. That's reasonable. And neither does JK at this point, unfortunately. So like these breakaway plays are really just difficult for the offense to come by. And then you also have, like, once they get compressed, we, we can barely pass the ball to begin with. I mean, wide receivers, yet again in this game, were so underutilized. I mean, we use wide receivers less than most teams use their, like, second tight end or, uh, you know, fullback. Some teams don't even have fullbacks. But, like, <laughs> like our, our, all of our wide receivers are so poorly utilized. Um it just makes you wonder like, okay, how is this offense really going to work in, in 2022? I think the big thing is with the Ravens, and I was, I was trying to communicate this with, um, with a, a fan recently is like, I think their playbook right now with this, you know, heavy personnel drag games out long time possession, you know, grind out these wins, hope for the best at best. You win a football game in a relatively close manner because like, you know, you still take eight minutes to get anywhere. You, you know, there's not that many possessions. And at worst, you lose it and you're either going to lose it dramatically and look terrible like you did in Cleveland, even though they didn't put up that many points, but you just look awful because this, this, this kind of offense, there's like nothing to like latch onto that's fun. Or, you know, you, you barely lose the game like we saw this game or, <laughs> I mean, look, this, this is the part that kills me. The first two drives. 17 plays for 78 yards, eight minutes off the clock for the Steelers. And we were like, we can do that. 16 plays, 61 yards, and eight minutes off the clock. It didn't get finished until the second quarter. At the rate of the play, they would both have had two possessions in the first half. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that's not a football game in 2022. This is just insane. Like, the amount of time that's coming off the clock and the kind of ball that each side were trying to play. And, and candidly, the Steelers played Ravens football better than the Ravens this week. They were out physical at the line on their offensive side of the ball. And that's why they were able to run so effectively. They were just way more physical than us and they seemed to want it more. And then their defense was just better than ours at, you know, not letting us score. 
I mean, they basically they were like, "You, you want to be the the twenty twenty two Ravens? We'll we'll do that." And 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 spades. And I mean, they completely outplayed us in my opinion. And I think you know credit to them. You know, a lot of times we want to say what we could we have done better, and there certainly were things that we could have done better. But I haven't seen our defense get blown off the ball quite like they uh, the Steelers did in this game. And I think in a lot of ways our run game hadn't reached the level of competition that I had seen. It was still somewhat effective, but not nearly as effective as it had been. And without that, you're not scoring. So like, I just think, you know, they, they did a good job. Like the Steelers really came to play in Baltimore. Yeah. I think they're, uh, you know, on, on our run game quality, cause we're still kind of on the offense. I think they definitely, um, the Steelers defense definitely improved from the last matchup. They gave up a lot of yards to uh, our running backs. I think they definitely claimed down this game. Like you said, yeah, they're playing a lot better on the defensive side. They still let a couple. They still let up a couple runs, but uh, for the most part, I think they uh, they clamped down pretty hard. Yeah. Um, gosh, man, <laughs> so much to discuss with with uh, everything Alec just said there. All of which was was great, but <laughs> um, to get back to the wide receiver point, beating a dead horse. I know because it's been the main complaint uh, of of the flock uh, this year and understandably um, I think some of it sometimes gets into the realm of well you know there's only so much a team can put on the field but some of it's warranted as well um, so you guys were at the game so you didn't see this you know uh, how Sunday Night Football does the the player introductions and they go by and, and they show everyone's headshot and they say their name and uh, what school they're from uh, for the starting offense and defense. Uh, the Ravens starting offense, uh, only one wide receiver, uh, Demarcus Robinson, uh, was part of that. So uh, <laughs> that kind of tells you everything. What was ironic about it was the Ravens did have one wide receiver on the field for the first play of the game, and it was Sammy Watkins. It wasn't even Demarcus Robinson, but still. <laughs> um, right. You know, the point still stands that, uh, that yeah, it's it's a problem, Um but that said, at the same time, again, it's not the only problem of this team. You look, there are plenty of, pl- of teams out there with better wide receiver rooms that are not going to be in the playoffs this year. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, better wide receiver room than the Ravens. They're going to be sitting at home. Uh, Los Angeles Rams this year. Yes, sure, last year they won the Super Bowl, sure, but it didn't help them this year. You keep going, I'd say the Colts have a better wide receiver room, the Raiders. It- it's part of the problem, um, but I also don't think that it's the magic thing that would fix all our problems this year. It was if we had... Uh, say just Hollywood back and, and Bateman was healthy. Um, there'd still be some issues, but yeah, I mean, going back to this game at hand, I, I agree. It's something that, you know, the Ravens tried for a while while Lamar was out to see how this, this low risk offense kind of grind the game out approach would work uh, with a backup quarterback. It was good for a while, but the Steelers saw it once and they were just like, Oh, Hey, wait a second. We can play this type of football. We're built for that, and and you guys are right. They out-physicaled the Ravens. Uh, the run defense was was particularly concerning, the thing that has been the, the calling card for this team all season long. Uh, Najee Harris just looked like a completely different back in this game. Uh, the Ravens are having a difficult time wrapping him up. Uh, the Steelers were prepared for uh, the run blitzes of Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. They uh, consistently got both those guys out of position in the run game. And really, the Steelers just got to give them credit. They made lots of adjustments during the game. Uh, Kyle Hamilton made a great play uh, in the first half uh, where he got to Kenny Pickett, uh, forced an incompletion 
on third down. Uh, excellent play by Hamilton, by the way, uh, on that that blitz. I don't know how many safeties in the league uh, can make that play because that was just a pure speed play. Um, and but to the Steelers' credit, Ravens tried it at least one more time in the game. I think maybe twice, and Pickett was ready for it. He, they had the the um, protection there for him. He stepped up in the pocket, delivered a pass, and, and neutralized it. And that was another big thing with this game was failure to adjust, particularly, like I said, in run defense and in in rushing on offense. It, it was incredible how we just refused to accept that the Steelers were just like, okay, we saw these rushing concepts last game. We know how to stop them and fail in the second half to come up with something more creative uh, and instead just continue to run the same things that hadn't worked to a, a large success uh, in the first half. So, yeah, um, again, the Ravens are going to have to think about that going forward. Uh, maybe back to Alex's point, uh, we didn't want to show too much of our hand. That's possible. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, losing a game like that can also affect the team morale. So, uh, if that's the case, then you're, you're playing with fire a bit there. But yeah, definitely uh, the Ravens had an approach that was working for a while. Um, but I think this game showed that they're going to have to come up with some some counters because uh, teams are going to be able to figure this out. If we want to have one complaint about the offense as well, I mean, we haven't talked about it yet. It was just the fact that that second half where we got the big kickoff return by justice. Hill. we're like, all right, surely we're going to score on this possession. We're already in field goal range. Well, they backed up. They lost two yards on that drive. And that was the reason they didn't go for a field goal. Cause it was already like a really long one. Uh, but you're just like, oh, well, surely they'll get some positive yardage on in this down and distance. And like anything will help Tucker, you know, nail in a 50 plus yarder. And I just can't believe like we didn't even score on that possession. That's just, that was the the high point, I think, for me as far as the offense's lack of ability to execute and produce, even in the most gimme of situations. You had the field position and you just went backwards. Like that, that's unacceptable. And I just, uh, I was so discouraged by that. And uh, I think it was pretty deflating in the stadium as well. Just like that, that was the a huge gut shot. You, know, you get the excitement of the return. And then you can't do anything with it. And then you give them the, you, you think like, oh, well, at least they all have bad field position. And they did, but like, didn't it a mattering. Like the Ravens were never able to score points after that. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, whatever happens in the next couple of weeks um, and you know, the ultimate end of the season, I, I, I feel like more and more people now, I think are, are finally getting more of the ex- accepting that something, <laughs> something, big you know kind of has to happen i think moving on from greg roman i think is a more of a more of a possibility um it just you know as much as we can talk about the process and i mean we've talked about you know the you know process of you know going forward on fourth down right it's it's not always the you know even if you don't get it on a fourth down right it's about the process of like okay you keep going for it because that's what the numbers will tell you to go for right over time most of the time if you go for it in favorable situations the process will dictate that you'll be successful more uh, than you will fail right and you know i think like i do think it's important to have that mindset as well in other phases of the game like it is about the process and like understanding okay this is 
for better or worse, this is where the front office and the coaching staff, they've decided like, okay, we're going to build a roster this way. This is how we're going to run things. This is how our offense is going to work. Our defense is going to work. It's going to be, you know, complimentary sort of football. And, you know, back to your point, Alec, of like, you know, they're willing to grind out these games. And, you know, with that process comes trade-offs of like, okay, well, here's what's going to happen when things go right. And here's what's going to happen when things go wrong, right? I think it's important to understand that it is a process and sometimes it's not going to work every time. But that being said, I do think it's fair. It's totally fair to question then like, okay, are those variables still, like are those assumptions still correct, right? Because if you have, you know, a lot of repeated problems or you have a lot of like, okay, we're not having as many victories as we are defeats here, right? I think it's totally fair to be like, okay, maybe the process is wrong. Maybe there needs to be a tweak to this. Um, And yeah, I just feel like we as a fan base, and now it's like, yes, there were people calling for Greg Roman's head years ago. And like, congratulations if you were already on that train. Like, it's fine. Um, You know, not. I don't want to pick too much of it, but like people have been saying it for the, for when Ray Roman was on the 49ers and we beat them in the Super Bowl, right? It's not really that original of a thought. (laughs) <laughs> but that being said, like more and more people, I think are starting to warm up the idea of like, okay, guys, like the process that we're being sold is not as successful as we would hope, right? We're just having these losses that, and, you know, just issues that are just keep cropping up and, you know, still causing problems and still causing us to lose games and not make it far in the playoffs and, you know, what have you. And, you know, it, it really feels to me, it's just like, the fan base is like more collectively, I think is louder than ever. Like, okay guys, like this isn't the process is wrong. We need to adjust this. Like, and I just hope that, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll see what this season, if they're able to turn it around with this process, then like, Hey, it was all worth it. Like that's totally fine. But I mean, if we have another outcome where, you know, wherever we end up and it, it kind of goes that way, I, I do think it has to be more of a, uh, an emphasis to really, you know, go back and address it and, and figure out where we're going to go from here because um, I just don't see how we can come into 2023 and repeat the same pattern with, with so many variables changing. My big complaint with uh, really the direction of the offense ever since uh, the start of 2020 um, and particularly this year um, has been, it really feels like my understanding of 2019 was always that we brought in Greg Roman a to fix the run game, which needed fixing at the time. Um, as we've said multiple times on this program, uh, the Ravens rushing offense, um, between 2013 through 2017, uh, aside from some, uh, some very strong, you know, spark games from Justin Forsett, particularly in 2014 and uh, a couple in 2015, uh, the the running back rushing attack was abysmal for this team. Uh, Greg Roman in 2018 came in and and fixed that tremendously, as he should have, because we know that's his uh, that's his calling card in the NFL. Um, that was something that desperately needed to be fixed. Quite honestly, the running game those years was as bad as the passing attack has been these years. So we we corrected the pendulum too far <laughs> in one direction, you could say. Um, but so I always thought the plan with Lamar going back to 2019 was always that we got Greg Roman here because right now Lamar is coming into the league and he, he can run 
against anyone. We know this guy's uh, scrambling ability and playmaking ability in that perspective of the game is already elite. Like, that's how good he was coming out of college. We, we never, no one ever doubted that about Lamar Jackson, that that wasn't going to translate to the NFL. Um, the issues were always that it was clear that he needed some work in the passing attack. And I always thought that the plan was to rely on the rushing aspects of Roman's offense to gradually allow Lamar to advance as a passer. And then gradually over time, incorporate more and more passing uh, into into the offense and shift the direction of it. Um, but it feels like, despite the fact that Lamar Jackson has taken incredible strides as a passer, we've talked about that many times, um, I, he he could, he, he's capable of winning games without rushing at all. <laughs> um, but it feels like we're kind of stuck and like, you know, we're, you're a parent of, of a sixth grader and you won't let them exit the tricycle stage. That's honestly what it feels like. And you got this sixth grader with their knees in their face riding a tricycle. It's like he's outgrown this offense. The Ravens should have been able to transcend that. And it it, it feels like, like, yeah, we're just trying to run out the same thing over and over and staying put without evolving the game, and we saw some hints of that at the beginning of last year, that the passing game would come back. And there's been some of it, there was some of it this year before Lamar went down, particularly before Bateman went down, but it's just not enough. <laughs> and I don't know, I, I'm not someone who comments much on on what the Ravens want to do with offensive coordinator, kind of from cynicism. Um, once they didn't release him after 2020, when it felt very obvious after that Bills game, I resigned myself to the fact that he was going to be there until he found another job. Um, so I was like, what's the point in wasting <laughs> energy about it? And then secondly, here's the thing. Greg Roman is unquestionably the second best offensive coordinator in Ravens franchise history. I don't have much faith that we're going to be able to replace him with someone better because we haven't. We lucked into Garrett one year of Gary Kubiak and then everyone else... Honestly, Roman is way better than anyone other name you can come up with who's been an offensive coordinator for this team. I mean, wait, so, so is, is Kubiak is Kubiak your number one? Because I'd almost even argue that Roman is like number one, and that feels really weird to say. You could argue that too. I mean, you could argue that. Um, yeah. I go with Kubiak because I feel like his approach was more balanced. He was also very good at the run game. Uh, Justin Forsett, I think we saw that. 2014, he had a career year. Um, he did very well in Kubiak offenses before that. And then after Gary Kubiak left, Forsett, uh, he had back-to-back good, strong games against the Steelers and Browns in 2015 and was abysmal outside of that. Um, he was 100%, as much as I love Jorston Forsett. Uh, seems like a great guy. Absolutely loved his story in 2014. He was a direct product of the Gary Kubiak rushing scheme. Um, and, I mean, Joe Flacco's best... Uh, passing numbers in a regular season come with Kubiak. I don't even think we can give Caldwell put him higher than number three because his passing, his offensive scheme worked great for the Super Bowl run, but then you know it was quickly. Twenty thirteen was yeah, twenty thirteen was yeah. abysmal. <laughs> and so yeah. it's like that's the other difficult thing about it. It's just like we have no faith that this organization can get someone better than Roman. <laughs> you know, and and that's, that's kind of the the dark, disappointing thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean that's a, uh, yeah it's it, it's it's certainly a great point you know and it's it, it's 
it's something that's going to continue to be talked about, I think, until, yeah, until until morale improves, right? <laughs> until something happens. Um, it's it's a lot of, uh, you know, it's a lot of the same things. But I, I do think, like I said, it's a, I think it's fair, you know, it's going to be a question, you know, but I, I do think it's important, like I said earlier, just like, you know, it's understand the process and where it's coming from, but, you know, know that, you know, it's not, it's not always like, oh yeah, like process the process and like, you know, it's always going to be that way. Like, no, some assumptions will change and, and things will change over time. But, but yeah, it, you know, bottom line is, you know, right now this year, 2022 ended the season here. Um, yeah. I thought that stat that you brought up earlier, Peter, I think, yeah, I think it was UK Ravens of the, I think 59 points over like the last four or five games, least in yeah. the league. And defense was allowing sixty one, which I think is also the least. It's apparently so, I mean, it's just like apparently it's so one unbalanced. team has uh, has has allowed less. I'm not sure who that is, uh, but believe it or not. But still, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean that shows that the defense is is doing incredible. Yeah. Oh man, so much to comment on. But like, I guess <laughs> my 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 number one complaint, and we can maybe jump into this part of of the discussion that was in our document, is like Harbaugh, you're in charge. Like, don't forget, like you're the head coach, and. Sometimes he says stuff during the press conferences after the game that make you think like, you know, he's not happy with the direction of the team or he's not happy about this decision or that decision. And I get like letting your people do things and making them empowered and stuff. But sometimes I'm just like, dude, like you're the head coach. Like he was saying like, we should have had Gus in there more this game. Like I was upset about that. I'm like, well, last I checked, you're on the sidelines and Rome's in his skybox. Like override him. Like, what are you doing? Like, I just don't, I just don't buy it sometimes. Like, I, I, I don't know. I understand that running a game, like being a coach in the football game, like the live logistics of it are probably pretty challenging and it's hard to focus on everything. And, and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But sometimes I just feel like he's not at the wheel for some of these decisions. And I can get why fans get upset with him being like, he has no specialty. He's a special teams guy. Like that, that's not good enough. And like, uh, I think it is a flaw of his that since he has no specialty, he defers to his coordinators and he, I think he just doesn't correct ships. We saw him do it last year too, kind of complaining about wink in certain instances after the fact, but like, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting dynamic that Harbaugh has with his uh, uh, coordinators. And I think it's because he is a special team coach at, at most and, and almost no one ever complains about special teams. It's like only if you're as bad as the Packers were last year, are people like complaining about special teams play? Well, wait a second. Where are you just forgetting that Chris Rayborg has existed <laughs> for the past two weeks? No, I'm not forgetting that Chris Rayborg existed, but we're weird. We're a Ravens fan. Right? <laughs> like I'm saying like, like we're esoteric Ravens fans. I have a podcast about it. So like, of course we'll complain about special teams. <laughs> <laughs> but I was saying that the larger subset. <laughs> oh, well, I do say if we want to start, if we do want to talk about some positives from the game, uh, special teams did improve, um, which we kind of already hit on with how the Ravens squandered um, the, the return of, of Justice Hill on that big one. And there were some other decent returns too in the game. But yeah, I mean, to your point on Harbaugh, I, I get it. Um, what I wish he would have said in that situation was added on that, um, you know, put some blame explicitly on himself and be like, I have to, I have to make sure that doesn't happen again, you know? Um, because I will say I, I, the biggest thing that Harbaugh has done for this team 
is he's he's great at the locker room. He's great at leadership and, and you know bringing guys together. I, I think that's been pretty obvious um, throughout this time here. But yeah, I I understand that people would want him to throw Greg Roman under the bus. I I commend him for not, but that when he explicitly asked about it. But at the same time, like I I think then you have to take ownership when you you. you respond to a question like that because you can't you can't back your guy and then throw shade in that direction because that's essentially what that was doing that's basically saying like i disagreed there with that uh but hey not my problem that's that's his problem there's some weird like leadership things going on in this locker room like during mark andrews's release like or like interview people were like you know is the offense going to be kind of set in second gear until Lamar comes back and you have your starting quarterback. He's like, we already have a starting quarterback. His name's Snoop. He's bet, you know, he's, I'll take him over the 31 other quarterbacks in the league. Like he's a superstar. He's a franchise quarterback. And I'm like, I love that. I'm like, I'm like, I hate yeah. that. I'm just like, that's not realistic, dude. But here's like, the thing though, man. That's our job as fans to comment <laughs> on that. But this is, this man, this guy might be their quarterback for the rest of the year. Like if you, if that's the guy that you need to re- lead you to the Super Bowl, like, you got to prop that guy up publicly, man. You got to you got to show that you sell out all for that guy, regardless of what you actually think about you know what he, he can do on the field. And let's be honest, like the guys, like we're, we keep going back to last year, the guys have seen Huntley ball out before. It just hasn't happened this year. They just got to keep propping that guy up, and that's what it, what a team does. What you know when gosh, whatever field you're in, not just sports, man. You gotta you always got to be there for your guys. And I think, again, that goes back to what the strength of Harbaugh is, is that he's able to bring these guys together and just be like, you know, we're all a team together. Let's throw out the outside noise, what the outside thinks about us, even our own fan base. And let's just focus at the job ahead. And the job ahead right now, even though it seems bleak, is uh, to have Tyler Huntley lead lead this offense through the playoffs until we have a reason to believe that Lamar Jackson is stepping back on that football field, which unfortunately... We don't. <laughs> so I I commend Mark Andrews for that. I don't know what's being said behind closed doors, but I think publicly you got to um, support your guys on the team. You have to call them out and, and give them all that they deserve. That's personally my leadership style. I don't, I mean, I know that there's other teams like guys like Brady and particularly Roethlisberger when he was with the Steelers, he didn't have any problem going out in the <laughs> media and calling guys out. Um, oh, Rogers, same same thing. Like Rogers, yes. yeah, super bad about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, man, I I don't have any quantitative data to tell you which is better. I just think for me, and from what I've seen in in my life playing sports, and you know, in the workforce, and when I've been on projects before, like things go a lot better when you focus on people's positives and try and build them up, even if things aren't going well. And I think long term that were bodes better um even if our team is is captain what it can do with Huntley a quarterback yeah I mean I for at least of the Andrew situation like yeah I mean I I don't I don't really have a problem with that I mean going back to kind of what we were saying with Harbaugh that kind of spawned that of just the uh, yeah I think the I feel like it's tough I, I part of me I think would like to see a little bit more accountability and if like if if we saw flashes of like hey red zone offense looked a lot better here or you know hey like you know these plays were really close 
you know, it was the right read, just like the throw was a little bit off sort of thing. You know, if, if, if there was a little bit more to kind of show that like, okay, we can like, it may not be a good week now, but we know that things are going to improve because we're seeing the right things on the field. That would be one thing, right? But to me, it's just sort of like we're on a rudderless ship without anybody sort of steering anywhere. And we're just sort of listing around saying like, well, maybe one day everything might go together. And it's just like, it takes a lot of faith, I think, for that. And it's just something right now as like a person watching this team, I just don't, like, I I don't see it, you know? I get that the process is like, okay, all of our goals are still ahead of us. I don't see... I don't see us making that in like two or three weeks right now from the product on the field, at least we're just, we have a very one-sided team. It's a defense right now. I mean, I guess you could throw special teams in it. Now that they fixed it up two sides, right? We have these two sides. The offense just isn't showing anything like, yeah, they can run the ball. Okay. They can run the ball a little bit. What can they score? No, they can't score. So what good is that? Empty calories. You're just running up and down the field, not scoring anything. Like we can't live on field goals. Running out of like, time just, to score later in the game. Yeah, running out of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have two <laughs> minutes left, and then throw an interception and the game. Like, like I, I don't like. I'm, I'm just. I don't know. Yeah, I, I wish there was a little bit more accountability and like actual progress here. I feel like that's the missing part. It's just it. I don't know. We say that we're going to get better, and like our goals are still there until they're not right. Until they lose the game, then they're out of the playoffs, and that's what happens. And it's a little frustrating. Like I, I feel like I feel like I would like to see you know just a little bit more ownership, a little bit more like, you know, frustration of like, you know, confirmation like, you know, the guys want it just as much as like we do as fans, you know? And obviously, you know, we're not in the locker room. We can't see everything. We can't hear all the conversations, what's going on. And, but, you know, but I, I think there could be a little bit more, there's like a spectrum from like stoicism, which it feels like we're at right now. And like, I don't know, being like Terrell Owens or, you know, somebody like really like wears their emotions on their sleeves, you know what I mean? Of, of just like, you know, there's a spectrum, I think, of that and trying to, you know, balance where they are. And I think Harbaugh's just too far on the stoicism route and just say like, oh, you gotta trust this guy, you gotta trust this guy. Because it just feels like we're being gaslighted sometimes. <laughs> it's just like, you you watch and see, like you see what we're seeing here because it looks like, we're just, you know, not going anywhere. <laughs> in some sense, we're going backwards. It's crazy. Yeah, I think we're kind of, in a way, saying similar things, Peter, where, or at least when you were talking about, you wish that Harbaugh would have said slightly differently. I think that's the only what I'm saying about Mark Andrews is like, sometimes when he was saying those comments, I was like, first of all, I, I usually love everything he says. I love his like competitiveness and his usual just like, like, we're going to take over the world attitude. And I was just like hoping that he was saying something like, you know what? Like, that's not the way we think about it. We think that he's able to play at a high level and our team can achieve high things with him. And like, we've seen it before and we know that like, we'll get there. And like, I don't know. I would have liked that better than like, he's, he almost like made Lamar sound like trash. Like the way he was talking about it, he was like, I'll take, I'll take Huntley over Lamar. Like he's the greatest thing ever. Cause he was like, I'll take him over, you know, the other 31 quarterbacks in the league. And I'm like, I don't think you were saying that. I don't think you were right. saying that. But we might need to agree to disagree on this. I, I mean, mean, just the way you said it, I was like, he making, he making it sound like Huntley is the, like literally the greatest quarterback currently playing in the league. Nah, and like, I don't think. I'm see, like, here's, here's the other thing, though. <laughs> That's not it. Here's the other thing. You always got to read between the lines with everything. So, like, it, he is saying two things at once. There, number one, he is saying like, you know, 
he's trying to prop up Snoop because he knows this guy's going to get blasted by the media, by the fan base for that interception and for the failure of the passing game and that Huntley's going to take the brunt of the of the loss. And again, like I'm saying, for this year, they might need him. They might need him for as long as they can keep going this year. Um, but number two, also like the fact that he went that hard in on Huntley. Also, you can read his mind that he's like, we got to do everything we can to get this guy at at his best. Even, you know, you, you're not going to go out there and, and say that for, uh, for Josh Allen after, you know, he has a bum game or, or even for Lamar, right? Because they've done it so many times, they don't need to be propped back up. And that's what it comes down to. And, and, and like, that's the job of the players, right, man? They're, they're all in that scrum together. The job of the players is for everyone to make sure they got everyone's back. And, you know, it's, it's the job of the coaches to go out there and, you know, be critical of, of players in press conferences, in my opinion. Players, it's a little bit different. And, you know, it, 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 and I think there has been some accountability, too. I mean, Zeitler was very frank um, in his postgame uh at least what I've, I, I'm not someone who watches them, but I've seen the sound bites. I see some quotes here and there. I mean, Zeitler was, was very frank that things had to get fixed. And I mean, to Andrew's credit, you know, he mentioned that the offense did good things, but they didn't capitalize on a uh, good field position and, and in the red zone, you know? So I feel like the, I feel like what we're saying is like the, the process is good, right? It's just like, the, sure, like what yeah. is going on? Like this isn't, the locker room is not toxic. It seems like everything outside right. is a little toxic, if yeah. admittedly, right? But like the that process is fine, right? In terms of like, are we doing the right things? Yes. The results are not there. And there's a disconnect of just like, okay, well, if you do everything right, why aren't the results there, right? There's something else that is, you know, why aren't we putting everything together? And that's, I mean, and that's what's frustrating, right? And again, going back to just like, you know, what do you, what do you do in that situation when the process is like saying like, okay, good things should be happening, but they're not happening. Well, I think we should talk about the defense. <laughs> I think the thing that's weird about the defense is that they were bullied and we're usually used to them bullying. The front seven was not dominant this game. The Steelers were able to rush for 198 yards, which is incredible. <laughs> Um, there's been many games where the Ravens have been limiting teams under a hundred yards. They basically had two games worth of running production and the way they were doing it, it wasn't really anything spectacular from Warren and Harris. It was more so just like at the point of attack, there were holes that went five yards deep. Like they weren't seeing initial contact for a decent amount. And I just, uh, it was really disheartening to watch them get chunk after chunk after chunk get into the open field consistently get five yard rushes and be able to move the chains reliably using uh, the run game. And like I said, it, like basically they, they, they were the Ravens better than the Ravens this game, able to control the time possession and make sure that they uh, kind of dictated the pace. And at the end of the day, we're able to execute on more drives than the Ravens. Yeah, it, it was a concern. Um, I, I do think that the Ravens underestimated uh, how much the Steelers would adjust to what they had done in the previous game. Uh, like we said, uh, the Steelers did a great job of taking uh, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen uh, 
out of this game, um, putting Roquan Smith in some instances, uh, unfortunately, including the the final touchdown of the game uh, in positions where he wasn't terribly um, in a, a great spot where he could cover the guy. Uh, tackling wasn't terribly great in this game. And uh, even guys that we've been uh, seeing have stalwart games this year, I feel like Marcus Williams could have played a little better in this game. Um, yeah, there was a couple of times deep where it felt like, you know, in last game, he was getting interceptions there against Trubisky, but um, was having difficulty in that game. But we also do need to give credit to, to the Steelers' uh, skill players, too, because, I mean, Harris came out there, and I, he played the most inspired football I've ever seen him play against against the Ravens. He was continually um, inviting contact. He was falling forward all the time, which was continually getting the Steelers additional two, three yards. Um, he's a big back, and it's it's just been kind of curious watching him. It's like, why don't you... It seems like he should be able to do that every week, and, and that shouldn't be an outlier. Um, but also Pickett, man. Um, I'm telling you, I think people underestimate this guy because he does not put up sexy numbers, at least not at this point in his career, and I don't know if he ever will be. But uh, the guy ha- is got ice water in his veins he reminds me of early career Flacco uh now one thing he does really well that Flacco you know wasn't really his calling point um his mobility in the pocket uh is incredible and there were several plays in that game where um he was running around there in the pocket and improvising you know not at the Lamar Jackson level but you know and kind of (laughs) at his own way and it was giving his receivers extra time. He's able to pick up some chunk plays as a result of that. And, of course, we saw what happened at the end of the game. Um, you know, it, I, I, it really just comes down to, I think, that the Ravens just weren't prepared for the Steelers to be as prepared as they were. Um, and I think that kind of got exposed when there was issues in the second half uh, making adjustments in both the offensive and, and defensive end. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was just the, like like you guys said, the rushing defense. Um, I thought, you know, I rewatched it a little bit. Um, yeah, just guys getting beat. Um, I think Matabuke uh, got up double teams a good bit. Um, he did okay. Uh, saw some losses from Jones and um, and Washington as well. Just getting pushed back. Um, you know, Steelers offensive line doing a great job of pushing guys off. And, um, you know, it could be like, you know, running backs could hit the hole and not be touched until, you know, five, six yards downfield. And then the linebackers would clean up. But, uh, yeah, just not as uh, – definitely not as stingy. Um, I do think, you know, the secondary played pretty well. Um, Brandon Stevens also I thought had a tremendous game, probably one of his best as a Raven. Um, I think uh, – a couple of pass deflections, uh, pretty tight coverage most of the time. I don't th- was he. I don't know if he was flagged this game, but yeah, overall, I think um, I think he had a pretty incredible game. I mean, he switched up a decent bit. Um, he was on Deontay Johnson a little bit. Uh, Pickens near the end uh, let up like a couple catches, but also not any that I thought were particularly egregious. I think it, for the most part, yeah, the, the Pickett and the offense, I think, were just you know kind of taking steady shots and, you know, moving drives and everything. It wasn't until the last touchdown of the game uh, that, you know, there was a play that I thought was kind of like um, 
you know, the nail in the coffin kind of thing. But Stevens didn't let up any of those. Um, I thought he played pretty well. A um, couple other guys, I think, as well in defense who kind of had good games. But I, I think the I think the deciding factor for me is just the the defensive line. I think um, it'd be great to get Calais back. I think having him in the rotation, I think, would be really really helpful. Yeah, this game was full of players that had some good performances. I think Stevens was one of them for sure. That he in general had a pretty good game, but it wasn't a perfect game. And kind of similar for the Ravens offensive line or rather, I guess, defensive line. I think we saw all the players have good plays here and there. I think Brett Urban comes to mind as a player who really uh, succeeded well again this week. But he also had difficulties against the run. Uh, But yeah, everyone did. So it was just a party. It was a struggle against the run party. And I hope they're able to get it rectified. Um, They were unable to turn, you know, the deflection into a interception there was a couple moments in the game where defenders were close to a, a a bad thrown ball and could have really changed the outcome but you know those things didn't bounce our way so i think that's the defense like we it was so unusual to see the defense being so badly that i just don't know what to make of it other than they got beat bad um one thing i heard coach dc talking about is that they used a lot of 11 personnel against us. And um, he thought that 11 personnel is actually particularly effective against the Ravens because um, we're not as heavy as we'd be in other personnel packages, uh, but we're also kind of light and just like, it's a good way to get us in a good, um, it's probably what it made when we're most vulnerable. I don't know if that's necessarily true and would want to like keep an eye out on that, but definitely felt, in this game that we were just unable to penetrate, you know, their, their team uh, and get those uh, tackles for loss and stuff them and in key moments. And I think the other thing to consider is just to what degree of perfection the Ravens defense is really expected to play at. Um, You know, yes, they got run over more than they have in the past uh, this year, particularly, but um, no touchdowns given up on the ground. Um, the only touchdown they gave up was that uh, it, it, the game-winning play, as we discussed before. Um, you know, they they played a good game. Um, I don't want to say it was good enough to win the game because, as we've said before, like that kind of those statements are kind of unfair to the whole holistic flow of the game and and really what happens on on all sides. Uh, but I, I, it was a strong performance by them. You know, it's, it's not like the Steelers gashed them for 40 points. <laughs> uh, certain franchises put up this de- kind of defensive performance and, and they're, you know, throwing around, running around in circles, throwing confetti. But uh, for the Ravens with what we're having to expect from them this year, yeah, it was a, a less than ideal. Um, but again, still like overall, not a terribly bad performance. It's just... Chunk plays seem to be something this defense can really give up. Um, Unlike last year, the big plays really aren't coming very much against the Steelers. I mean, even looking against what the Steelers were able to do, uh, they gave a a 28-yard reception to Sims. Uh, Jalen Warren had that 30-yard run um, that happened on their first drive of the Steelers, I believe. They got him around the the left side uh, on a sweep. And just some poor tackling there extended that play longer than it should have been. But, 
but man, I mean, it's it's just that when offenses have success against this def- these defenses or this defense, it's because they're able to basically grind out these short yardage plays. Um, so it, it is interesting because it's the opposite of last year, right? The problem last year was that the Ravens gave up way too many explosive plays, and this year it's kind of the opposite as they're giving up not enough so that their offense you know, doesn't have time to respond when the, the opposing team does uh, score. So, yeah, it, it, it's interesting that it's like we, we, we've fixed one problem, uh, but a new one has kind of sprung up uh, as a result. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, having, having a more competent offense that can score can then alleviate that new problem that you've had. Which 100%. Is, which yeah. also unfortunate, yeah. It's a discussion we unfortunately have to have right now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like my ultimate thing right now is just like I'm not, I'm not worried about the defense long term. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I think his defense is definitely good enough to be in the playoffs. Um, definitely a playoff caliber defense. I think um, getting the pieces back, uh, Peters and, and Campbell, I think are going to be huge if if they can come back. Um, but I think you know we're seeing we're seeing a really good level of play now. And even from some of our backup players, um, some of the things we did see like from Stevens and from uh, role players like urban and and things like that. I think that does encourage me just over the next couple of weeks, however long this goes, that defense is going to step up and play well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I would consider this a little bit of an anomaly. I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't be too concerned yeah, for sure. I think it's something they could build off of. The good performances of Urban and Stevens are, like, I think, highlights for players that, when these other guys come back from their injuries, don't need as many snaps, but it's good to know that you have them in, in their rotational basis. Like, for instance, I think now with Stevens playing better, I wouldn't be shocked if when um, Peters is back, if people try to use 11 personnel against us, we're like, no problem. We'll have Stevens on the outside. We'll move Marlon to the slot. We'll have um, Hamilton on the other guy. Like that feels like a decent package that could be used. And and similarly, like you just look at the team and the other position groups. And Marlowe was like not targeted. He was shut down basically all game. Um, this defensive line has shown flashes. I just think I'm wondering if we're running the right pressure schemes. Um, we didn't really bring numbers against Pickett. We were hoping that he would make mistakes. And it seems like the rookie was able to not make those mistakes. He didn't play into our hands, so to speak. So I'm wondering if using blitzes more methodically, like getting a little bit more aggression out of McDonald would be a good idea. Yeah, I, it's possible. Um, I, you know, I, I, I didn't read the coverage is that way. Um, but if that is true that we were trying to, um, make trying to wait on mistakes by picket, that kind of feels like a missed scouting report to me. So I hope that wasn't the case because I mean, the guy has been incredibly careful with the football, uh, since the three interception debacle he had against Miami, which was only his fourth start in the NFL. Um, it's like, the guy has a string of eight games here where he's only thrown two picks um, and hasn't gotten sacked more than three times in a game uh, since mid-November. So I, the, the Steelers have crafted an offense around him where it 
it, it's really like what we should be doing with Huntley. Um, if we can just figure out a better, I, I don't even want to say that it's the same exact thing we're doing with Huntley. It's just the fact that Pickett as a first round pick, he has better passing tools in his, in his arm right now, uh, than Huntley does. So it's, it's a conservative offense they're running. It's one that's tailored towards the things that he can do well. So, I mean, you know, in that personal situation, yeah, maybe you need to pressure the guy more. Um, and maybe that's why he's not making mistakes because that's just not what teams are doing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't, it doesn't shock me that if we were waiting for Pickett to make a mistake, uh, that that strategy didn't work because the Steelers have been, have found a way to, to be really cautious with him. And, and really, to Pickett's credit, I mean, he is playing better and, and not forcing the ball, really. That's been a strength of his uh, in this back half of the year. All right. What a somber episode it's been. Uh, I think for my moral victory, I went with Brett Urban last time. I'll leave him out there for you guys if you want to choose him. But um, I'm going to go ahead and pick our favorite uh, running back, J.K. Dobbins. It was his first time getting more than 15 carries ever in his career. He's gotten 15 exactly several times, uh, but he broke it, and he was pretty effective on the ground, all things considered. So I give it to J.K. Dobbins, um, the only guy I want to see with the ball in his hands other than Gus Edwards. Yeah, Dobbins played well. Um, it's just unfortunate that it wasn't a little better. <laughs> um I'll give mine to, to the guy we mentioned already, Brandon Stevens. We talked that he needed to step up. Um, the entire Pittsburgh receiving team uh, all had very quiet games. Uh, George Pickens, who had big plays last week. Uh, so I guess I'll throw in Marlon here too. You know, Pickens, last year, obviously we saw Jamar Chase have a huge game. And then in round two, he had a huge game again. Of course, there were a lot of injuries that had to do with that, so Marlon himself wasn't able to get a second crack at it. But, yeah, when this when the Steelers targeted Pickens, uh, four targets, the guy had two catches for 29 yards. That included Stevenson's um, uh, de- excellent defense of him in the end zone that prevented the touchdown on that first drive. So uh, Stevens, as well as uh, – I'll throw Marlon in there as well. Nice. Uh, I'll go ahead and give mine to a guy I mentioned earlier, Mark Andrews. Um yeah, really, really great to see him a little bit more involved in the offense. Um, like I said, it kind of looked uh, looked like uh, the 2021 version of Mark Andrews a little bit. I think he caught all nine targets that he was uh, uh, thrown his way. And uh, it was great to see him be a focal point in the offense. Now we just need to get him some touchdowns, and they'll be good to go. Well, for sure. Um, as far as the preview episode goes this week, we're kind of in a holding pattern as we don't know what's going on. Uh, as far as the NFL goes, uh, we plan to talk to car collector, Justin. Uh, we had it all planned out, but uh, we'll see if we're able to make a, a preview show happen this week. If not, um, assume that the Ravens are, I think we all will predict the Ravens are going to lose the game. Oh, I feel so sad. Um, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll maybe talk about it. And um, I'm reading up, you know, it's now eight fifty five, So now you get an idea of the record time versus the edited time. Um, doesn't seem like I have any more updates on Demar Hamlin, but uh, hopefully he continues. It sounds like he's in better condition than he was, so good, I guess. Um, so we'll just keep praying for him and and hope that he uh, has a full recovery. You can find us online on Twitter at One Winning Pod, and you can email us onewinningpod at gmail dot com. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>